Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. This is the second section of our full interview with Kevin Breckman, PwC Director at the Treasury Practice of Belgium. And with PwC since 2011, Kevin has focused on supporting priority clients in managing large Treasury transformation projects. And these multi-year projects see him help clients define their target operating model. Tom, yes, we are going to break it down in this very episode. The term for Treasury and thereafter support implementation of such target operating model. Kevin also leads the Treasury Audit Service Offering, where he leads and reviews some of the most complex Treasury centers. In today's episode, we go into the nitty-gritty of Treasury transformations. Expect to learn what a TOM target operating model is, what is a transformation roadmap and why it is important, how does a treasury transformation impact the rest of the company and vice versa? What are the main challenges of such a journey? What are the skills required to transform and lead transformation of treasury departments? And much, much more. We enjoyed our conversation with Kevin a lot, and we hope you will enjoy it as well. If that is the case, and when you think about how you discovered the podcast, somebody probably told you about it, or you discovered it through the suggestion of your favorite podcast app, or maybe even via the social media. This is the best way for us to spread the treasury world, and it would mean the world for us if you'd share, subscribe the podcast, and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. With all that being said, please welcome Kevin Barakman. When I first started in consulting, there was a term that kept on coming uh, that I had a bit of difficulties uh, wrapping my head around, which is a TOM. And a TOM, uh, the acronym means Target Operating Model. Can you walk us through what that is? Yes, absolutely. So what we mean with the Target Operating Model is basically, it again starts what I already mentioned before with your objectives, really defining what you need. And then typically what we do is per functional area, so cash liquidity, debt and funding, working capital management, financial risk management, really start thinking more, I would say, in a process point of view of this, how do you want to accomplish those objectives? Like, for example, let's talk about efforts risk management. You have as an objective, I want to mitigate my volatility to my, my exposure to a fixed risk. Okay, the first step is I need to know what my exposure is. So we define a process of how I'm going to gather actually those exposures. Okay, second step, how I'm actually going to verify that the data I gathered is of good quality. So it needs to be this kind of a review process. So we also start discussing with the clients, with the local stakeholders on how we can best put that in place. Then once we have, let's say, clean exposures, we need to put it all together to look at what the exposures are on a group level, on a business entity level. And then we need to start thinking about a way to mitigate those risks. Do we want to hedge it or a certain operational risk? Also as well, what is the process? How do we bring it all together? Who takes the decision on what to do what? Once the decision is taken on what to do, who, for example, if we say we're going to go for financial strategy, who is going to call the bank? Once the, the deal is being done, how is it going to be put into the system? How is it going to be confirmed? How is it going to be accounted for? How is it going to be settled? All of these type of, I would say, 
process steps is what we start thinking about, take into account the objectives, and basically we come up with a target operating model, a target way of working in the future for all of these areas, both the process and once we have an agreement, I would say on the process, we start thinking about the symptoms to support those processes. And once we have a view on the systems and the processes, we start thinking about the people aspect. So basically, who do we need to actually do these processes, execute these processes? What are the capabilities we need? How many of these people we need? So that's where we bring the process system and people together. And if you put it all together, that's what we call a target operating model. I would have loved to have these extracts uh, when I started, but perfect. Thanks a lot, Kevin. We just touched upon how could we do that for foreign exchange risk management, for instance. And just for this one, you've enumerated quite a list of steps. What is a transformation roadmap? How, why is it important and how do you make sure that all those steps that you are transforming, so it's not only, okay, making sure who does what and how, but also how are we going to properly implement this? What are the critical steps of the process? Why is that important and how much of importance should you put on deadlines, for instance, in, in a target operating model and the whole transformation project? Yeah. So to address your first question, why is it important to think about a roadmap? Very simply, you cannot do it all at once. So you really need to think about what are the different types of projects at a dental pad that need to be done. And then typically start thinking about what are the ones who are going to bring the most value. Because those are the ones you typically want to do before. But you also need to think about the sequencing. One typical example we have there is, say the decision has been taken that we want to put in place a central payments. Now, the effort put in place a payment system is one-to-one -one related to the number of bank you need to set up on the payment system. If you have today a hundred different banking partners, setting up a, a payment system is going to be a huge amount of work. It's going to take multiple years. So then typically we advise the clients, look, before starting actually the implementation of the system, start looking at your banking landscape and maybe look at ways to reduce your number of banking partners. So then typically we do first the reduction of the bank departments and then we only go into the payment system just to make it more efficient so that the overall effort is less. And that's always what we think about when making these roadmaps. What is the most smart way to sequence it? Also, often what happens is they're implementing a new ERP system. Okay, you don't want to link your uh, payment factory to a system which is going to be replaced in six months. So also there, we always look at what other projects are going on within the company. What is the impact on the treasury department to make sure that we sequence it in such a way that the overall effort is minimized while the benefits are being maximized and the things which are creating the most benefits are being done first. All right. So how does these treasury transformations affect the rest of the company? So I guess when you come in, because treasury, you said is a support function, right? Any changes and transformations that happen in the treasury department will have impacts in other departments, right? IT, legal, tax. So you need to be playing with all of those as well as you're doing your transformation and gathering the needs from them and the, let's say, that gives them the gets, right? How big of an impact does that end up happening typically? Well, it depends on the type of project you're doing. So whenever there is a, a system angle to it, you need the support of the internal IT. 
locally, as I mentioned before, a lot of the newer Tracy systems out there are uh, what we call uh, SaaS products, so software as a service, where the internal IT man, uh, maintenance actually minimized and mostly outsourced to, to the vendor itself. But you still need the internal IT people to, first of all, build the interface with all the applications within the company. So if you want to build an interface between your trading manager system and your ERP, you need the help of an IT. Or very simple, just to make sure they can access the product so that they basically open the firewalls so that they can, you can access those strategy systems. If you, for example, start changing the way the funding works for a company, if you change into company loans, if you make changes to cash pooling, that is a tax angle. From the moment you move money cross border, there needs to be a review of tax to make sure that you don't have additional tax costs. So there as well, you need tax. Whenever you go into contractual negotiations with third parties, you need the legal to support you. So it really depends on what you do, see which stakeholders you, you need to evolve. Also for the business, there's often a big impact. For example, if you want to put in place a test for forecasting uh, module, it only works whenever the data that being brought into the test for forecasting is accurate. And therefore, we need people on the ground to really tell us, hey, these are the things I sold already. These are the things I, I need to buy in the future to really have an impact. So there's also a business angle that potentially sometimes you need more, but they, as long as they see the benefits, we can really convince them of that. I guess like the ERP is like the, the biggest of them all, I guess, right? Where you're, if you're touching the ERP, that's touching all the departments inside the company. And I guess your TMS is linked to that and then all the data that flows throughout it, right? So. Do sometimes companies have multiple ERPs as well, correct? So how does that bring any additional challenges or anything like that? Or is that the hardest transformation project, the ERP transformation? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. A lot of our clients have grown via acquisition. So they have been added to the ERP system of the companies that they've bought over, they're merged with. So at the end, they are there with, with a let's say, a multitude of ERP system, which creates challenges for them. First of all, when it comes to, to payments, because they have different internal systems generating payments, they're all in a different format. So it's difficult to set up, let's say, one connection with the external world. There we again can come in to help to, to set up systems being shifted between those internal ERP systems and the external banks, who basically harmonize the files coming out of this payment system into one common format, which is accepted by the bank. All the way around as well, when the bank statement comes in, you can help set up systems. Basically, that one standard format adapted to what local ERPs expect. So that's a challenge when you have multiple ERC systems. Also, ERPs, at the very basis of it, the basic functionality, it is an accounting system. It's basically, it helps them to book all of their day-to-day transactions. Uh, there as well, if you have different ERP systems, it's going to have an impact on making your, your financial reporting on a group level. But also for the treasury transactions, typically the treasury management system does the accounting for all treasury transactions. If that needs to be booked in multiple ERP systems, that overcase things, because we basically need to generate files in different formats, depending on the needs of the local ERP. So more ERPs for sure adds additional complexity, but I would say there's solutions to it in terms of technology. 
Super clear. And then are those the main challenges you'd say in, in an overall transformation like this, or are there typically like red flags you see when you first come in to a transformation project that goes, okay, this is going to be extra difficult. Yeah. And again, it depends from, um, from company to company. I would, I'm not sure to call it the biggest talent, but the thing which is underestimated quite a lot is uh, we already touched upon it as a change management angle. Um, it is, you're working with people and we, it's had what we do has an impact on their day-to-day operations. So we need to spend quite some time to explain them the benefits, to listen to them, to listen to their needs, to really give them the comfort that what we're doing here is actually going to benefit them uh, in the long term. There, what I think makes it more complex if I look at different clients I've worked for, companies which are more decentralized, I would say, where there is more locally, they have more decision power, again, determine their own way of working. It is typically a bit more difficult to do a global, group-wide asset transformation project because they're not used to basically being aligned to one standard way of work. So typically when there is already a centralization done before, it goes faster. But as well, we have already done a lot of projects, but as part of the the transformation, a lot of things have been centralized. So it is possible, but it takes a bit more time because you need to spend more time on change management. Would you say that people management or maybe more stakeholder management is then a, a critical skill to have? in those type of transformations? Absolutely, yes. What are the what are the other skills that are required? Well, we talked about treasury roadmap and project management, obviously. What are the other main skills that are required when it comes to such endeavor? Yeah, project management, like we mentioned itself, but don't think it's to be underestimated. We typically work with a lot of different stakeholders. So we need to make sure that the different stakeholders are aligned. There's also typically multiple, let's say, sub-projects being done. Every sub-project is its own dedicated team, but it's still important to have what we call a program manager, somebody who looks across different projects to make sure that they're still aligned, make sure that actions which are being determined are also being followed up and taken care of. So the project management angle is for sure important. And I would say also the technical skills, basically the, the benefit of hiring an external consultant is that we have done this before. We know what the pitfalls are and we have the lessons learned. We have the tools available to accelerate certain things because we have done it before. So we can, we can uh, use certain things, but we need those technical skills to really point out to, to anticipate certain roadblocks. That's also quite important in these kind of projects. Mm. Following on this and also coming back to one of your initial points, which was savings. Um, we usually ask Dusan, uh, a question we love is, uh, what does success lo- look like in whatever is the topic we are talking about? So here, delivering on time, I think we touched upon it. Um, achieving the qualitative benefits that you mentioned earlier, what are we aiming for and make sure we achieve this? What about the quantitative benefits and linking with the consultants that you just mentioned as well for the technical skills aspects? Do those projects need to auto-finance themselves in the first place? Do they need to bring additional savings that make it worth not only doing it, but okay, on the long term, it will also bring us money? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Again, it's it's not for every client to save, but 
as already mentioned before, unfortunately, most treasury departments don't have big budgets because they're being considered the support function. They're not, for example, getting as big budgets as an R&D department, for example, is really having a direct impact. So we're always at certain limits. And that's why it's always what we propose and what we highly recommend is that when at the start of these kind of projects, whenever you build the roadmap, that together with the roadmap, you also build a business case change. So that you basically over a multi-year period, identify both what are going to be the costs to implement this, but what are going to be the savings as well. And typically what we see until now for every single project, you have one, maybe two years of investment. But after two years, typically the business case starts becoming positive. And after a few years, you basically, the projects have been finalized, the costs have been done, but you have really, really good in savings. So typically these kind of projects have very high return rates because there's really recurring savings. And once the systems are being set up to operate them, to maintain them, that the cost is limited, while well, savings keep on recurring year after year. So. For all of these projects, there's a, a positive business case, which often is a lot driven, I would say, by redesigning their banking structure, by giving them access to the liquidity, reducing borrowing costs, but also reducing the number of banking partners, reducing the number of bank accounts, all things which cost money. Also by reducing the advanced panel metal tasks that just reduces fees as well. So often these kind of things that often until now always they have had a positive business case.